welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. I know it's been a while since we've done a regular episode, but boy, do we have a show for you today. My name is Mitchell Farley Wolf. I'm your host, as always, and I'm here, as usually, with editor at large at Super Jump Magazine, Wyatt Donigan. Hey, Wyatt. How's it going? It's been a, it's been a minute, but I'm excited. We have some really cool stuff to talk about. Today. I feel like every episode, it feels like it's been a minute. <laughs> That's true. That's very yeah. true. <laughs> That's on me, I suppose. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm excited to to get right into it, do a, do a classic Super Jump podcast episode, but uh, a, a little less traditional than normal because we have special guest, uh, guest writer and, and frequent contributor to Super Jump, Josh Beiser. Hey, Josh. How are hey, you doing? Hey, everyone. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks. It's, I always love when I'm the guest on a podcast. I do so many when I'm the host. I can just sit back and relax this week. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, but by the by the way, your 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 podcast, your 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 brand. Um. You do have a a uh, would you call it a publication? What what would you describe Game Wisdom as? Oh boy, that's a good question. At this point, it's grown to be both the site and the YouTube channel. So I guess it's really more like its own little publication in terms of just talking about the art and design or the art and science of games. I recommend everyone go check it out. Uh, what, what you write is very insightful. And uh, we're, we're, we're glad to have you on the show because we're going to talk about a lot of things that are going on in the news uh, in these last couple weeks, because we skipped a few episodes, we just have like a huge news episode right now, um, and, and I, I'm excited to hear your your thoughts on what's going on. But in the meantime, before we get to any of that, we of course have to jump into the playtime report. Okay, playtime report. This is the section of the show where we talk about what we've been playing lately. Even though it's been a little while since we've. Uh, done the, the, the format of the show that includes Playtime Report, I actually have not been playing very many video games at all since then. I've been focusing <laughs> on, a, I've, I've been watching some Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Tournaments because uh, f- for my, I, I'm taking a class in database structures right now, and my final project for the class is going to be a database that compiles results from tournaments and, and players and characters within Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, within the, the early meta of, of the game. So I've been watching a lot of tournaments, trying to get uh, just just data. And uh, it, it's simultaneously pretty boring, because data collection always is. But also really, really interesting. Um, so, some, um, I, I mean, you, you should always expect this with a multiplayer game. The, the meta's going to change. But some of the early assumptions about what characters are good and what characters are bad... Uh, have really changed, and it's not because of any patches. There's been some patches, but it their effect has been somewhat negligible. Um, Which is great, I want to say. I'm glad, because fighting games can get destroyed by patches, so I'm glad that Nintendo yeah. hasn't done anything kind of, not game-breaking, but just anything majorly like game-changing this early. Well, maybe don't count your chickens. They totally still could. But, That's true, but at least yeah. in these first three months, we've been okay. Especially because they're they're adding five more characters before yeah. uh, the DLC is ended. Um, yeah, c- certain characters that have been assumed to be great are now no longer considered great at all. Um, I I know like during that first week of play, way back way back in December, 
K. Rule seemed really good. Now mm-hmm. K. Rule seems pretty bad. Like one, near the bottom of the of the characters. I don't know if there's like an accepted tier list yet agreed upon by multiple people, but whatever it is, K. Rule seems to be pretty low. Yeah. Um, and just think things are in flux. We're, we're we're still deciding what kind of stages we want to be legal. It's uh it for for me trying to get data on it it is it is a nightmare but uh just in in watching a game develop it's it's really fascinating uh josh have you did you get into uh smash at all i played the last ones but i really haven't had a chance to get the latest one i do watch like evo from time to time and i remember one time trying to do a tournament and realizing just how much of a difference there is between casual and competitive play oh, yeah. and like a 10 year old just like whooped like seriously, <laughs> yeah. Like this should be easy. That's and always all a wake of a sudden, call. <laughs> yeah. Have there been any characters that have been like blacklisted from tournaments yet, or has that not been solidified yet? That is something that the Smash community historically really doesn't want to do, and yeah. the the reasoning behind it is essentially like we're t- we're going to turn off items and we're going to play on certain stages that are are like quote unquote less fun than other stages but what we really want to do is just play the game how it is and if you if you ban a character that'll kind of say like oh well this game is unbalanced and they don't want to admit that about their own game and i i, I think yeah. there's there's a lot of good reasons to to not admit that about your own game uh the only time it's really come close to happening was briefly for a, a couple years and it was undone the character Meta Knight was banned in Brawl, um, and but yeah. but after that they decided no, we should just even if he's clearly the best by a large margin, we should just play with Meta Knight because that's that's what Brawl is. Um, since then, there's been no characters being banned. Uh, there's actually been a, a little talk about Jigglypuff being banned from Melee, which is wild to me. That game <laughs> that is 18 be... years old. It's not <laughs> the the time for that is past, in my opinion, but. Not to All mention, right. if, if you ban Jigglypuff, like, you're literally just, might as well just say you're going to ban Hungrybox at this point, because, I mean... I kind of think that is... That's the, probably why that's they the want to do it, secret point <laughs> of that argument, yeah. <laughs> aye, yeah. Aye, aye. But that's enough of that. Uh, Josh, you've been playing Resident Evil 2. Yes, uh, I'm about like a month or so behind everybody else, but I finally got Resident Evil 2 about a week ago. And I've been going through that. I played some of it on stream. And everybody was like laughing at how horrible I was at dodging Mr. <laughs> X. Yeah, it happens. Uh, I finished, I've already been in the game twice so far. I've done the A side of Leon and Claire. So my first run took me about ten and a half hours. Second time it took me about four and a half. So I'm oh, getting wow. better. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah, a, I think a huge lot, crunch. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just, like, knowing where everything is and just understanding, like, how to, like, I guess get around when the enemies, like, trigger or when they show up in the environment. Were you a fan of the um, original Resident Evil 2? I was. I never played the B side, the original. I did go through both A sides, so just, like, 30 minutes before we started this recording, I loaded up the B side and started going through that. So I'm curious to see how much of a difference that is. Yeah, I, I, um, my, my connection with Resident Evil 2 has been tangential at, at best, or uh, really the whole Resident Evil series. 
So I, I have a hard time relating to, to uh, what a lot of people are saying about this one. Y- you know, mostly it's because I'm, I'm not afraid to admit this. I'm a scaredy pants. I, I get scared pretty easy by horror <laughs> games. Uh, especially ones that, that seem to be kind of mean about <laughs> jump scares, which Resident Evil has uh, been in it's... the past. Um, <laughs> so w- with, with that in mind, how, how do you feel about this remake compared to the original? It almost feels like two different games, just in terms of changing the whole, like, gameplay systems around. Like, it really is a big deal going into that third person compared to the whole, you know, fixed camera angle, stack scenes like that. And I'm just really surprised at just how nasty the zombies are in this one. Like, that's, like, the biggest shock is that they're actually, like, a threat now. Like, they will just keep coming. Like, it takes, like, 20 bullets sometimes to put them down. Oh, man. Yeah. And I was playing it on hardcore too, so I went for the extra pain that time. It seems like they've they've really tried to dial in on how the original game felt, rather than how the original game actually was, which I appreciate. I think that's a really cool approach to remakes. Yeah, I like. I remember when it was like announced, like last E three, and it was just like, "Were they just going to make it, you know, HD and leave it at that?" And no, they it's pretty much like top to bottom. Mm-hmm. They went through the whole thing. I guess, did you play Resident Evil 7? I played Re- Resident Evil 7 a very small amount. Yeah, I was really, I think a lot of us are really hoping to see a little bit more in that style. You know, more like that adventure, slower pace. Because even Resident Evil 2 as it stands is still very action heavy. Like, I was, like, just before, I was just, like, running around with Claire using the grenade launcher, like, just blasting everything <laughs> with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, man, <laughs> I, Resident Evil 7 is, is so, so not what I can do. It's so, yeah, same. it's I so far from, like, game. what I'm able to I've seen, stomach. I've seen people play that game, and I'm, I'm with, I'm with Mitchell on this one. I'm a scaredy cat when it comes to games. I don't like jump scares. I don't like the, even just the the tense nature of those kind of games where you're just like, Oh God, that like, you know, something might be around this corner. So you're just kind of like, you just feel that, that just like weight on your chest. Like I can't, I hate it. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like my personal fears that, that the kind of scary that resident evil seven is, is where it's like, it's just one small house and you know, something's in there with you. Yeah. It's like, Oh, <laughs> that's rough for me. That's, that's, that's uh, my, my, my personal bits. Now, Wyatt, uh, I see that you've been playing Anthem. I want to save yeah, that. Yeah, we'll save that. We'll save that yeah. for sure. Uh, but tell me about The Division 2. You've been playing that? Yeah, so I played... Uh, I didn't do... So I played The Division 1. I played the beta uh, for a couple hours, like the open beta before it came out. It, it was fun, but it, it came out like kind of when I was still trying to play Destiny fairly right. heavily. Yeah. I've been playing everything, so... So I never really got into the division, and I know like the 1.8 update for the division it completely changed it around, and it was really good. But I still never really got into it. Um, so I, I wasn't really looking forward to the division two, to be completely honest. Like it wasn't really on my radar. But they had the open beta last weekend, and I figured, I mean, what do I have to lose? You know, I might as well just download it, see how it is. And I absolutely loved it. I uh, it was it was kind of everything that I want from a looter shooter. Um, and it, and you know, I'll talk about a little bit more when we talk about Anthem, but 
it for me the division two feels like everything anthem should have been um so i'm like super excited for the uh for the game to come out this week um i'm gonna pre-order the gold edition or whatever so i can play it on tuesday instead of friday so if you're if you're into looter shooters and you and you like those kind of games the division two is really good it feels i I can't really compare between how this is compared to the division one because i didn't play that one so i don't have that kind of uh perspective on it but for somebody who played uh destiny between destiny one destiny two i think i've i've put in almost a thousand hours between both games so as somebody who is pretty heavy into this kind of genre of games the division two feels very good it it seems it seems much more capable than anthem at at the uh very similar goals that it 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 tries to go for i assumed Mm -hmm. this i will definitely talk about this later but i assumed before anthem's launch that Anthem would be only kind of a looter shooter in the same way that Destiny and the Division are. Mm-hmm. Um, but really it would be more of its own thing using that language. Um, that isn't the case. It doesn't seem to no. be that. Um, so I, I'm glad that something did come out <laughs> that uh, seems yeah. capable. Uh, exactly. So it's, yeah, it's a fun game. And it's got... And especially because it... What I like about it too is that it has a the story seems like it's pretty good, but the Dark Zone is actually really fun. Like I heard a lot about the Dark Zone for, from Division One, um, but I think that's kind of the thing that really sets it apart for me um, with other with other looter shooters because you know Anthem has no PvP at all, and then Destiny has PvP in the traditional sense of you know team deathmatch those kind of modes. But the Division Two it also ha- Division Two does have those pvp like straight 4v4 on a map kind of thing but the dark zone is where it kind of really shines because it feels more like the uh like world of warcraft turning you know turning your your pvp on being in a in a in a server with a bunch of people that are trying to kill you so it it's a really cool take on it and it i haven't felt that stress playing a game in quite a while because you know if you're in the dark zone you get this gear that's contaminated and the only way to remove it from the dark zone is you have to go to a a specified area fire up a flare into the air that will call a helicopter so you have to fire a flare and then it alerts the entire map so everyone who is on the map including people that are gonna go rogue and try to kill you they know okay someone's waiting here with something they want to extract so then you have to wait like a minute and a half for the helicopter to come and then the helicopter sits there for a minute and then you have to go up attach your loot to this rope that's hanging from the helicopter and then if you do it too early someone can come up and cut the rope down from you or they can kill you and then cut your rope so it it adds this whole new element to things that just gives you this huge rush and it just it's really fun and very addicting that sounds really cool i i wasn't aware of uh any of what the dark zone was actually yes so, so the dark zones, the way it works in the traditional sense there, uh, everybody loads in and everyone starts out as like a good person, like you're a good guy. Uh, you can do certain things like cutting someone's rope down or there's certain stations you can hack that will raise your, your uh, like rogue level. And once you get to that point, then once you're rogue, then that's when you decide, okay, you can keep doing, you can keep hacking more things. 
Um, and if you hack enough things and raise your level to 100%, then you can access the Thieves' Den, which is an exclusive area that only people who are full-level rogue can get to. And then, so, but then once you go rogue, other people can kill you. So the good guys can then kill you. And then if you're rogue, you can kill someone else. And then at that point, you will have disavowed from the division altogether. And then people, you will show up on people's map and then they can start to manhunt you. So it adds this whole cat and mouse dynamic of, okay, do I want to go rogue? Do I want to risk trying to find these really this really good loot? Or do I want to just play it normal? And then hunt those rogues. So it, it's there's so many ways you can take it, and it's just it, it's I'm almost like I, I can't wait to get back in so I can just try and do everything from every angle. That sounds really cool. That's that is not an aspect of the division that I've like heard about or heard being talked about really. Yeah, it's very fun. Yeah, I did that. I played Division One right after patch 1.08. Oh, okay. And yet the Dark Zone was definitely the highlight. I think the only concern was that when I got to it, there were still plenty of like hackers and people who could, you know, just like one shot. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard that that was a huge problem with the first division. So I hope that that's something that they fix. Because now that you say that, I do remember a lot of people talking about how while the Dark Zone was fun, they didn't want to play because people were just hacking and it wasn't any fun at all. Yeah, especially like as you were just saying, as I know, like when you had that kind of PvP setup. You don't want to have like people having that kind of unfair advantage, especially yeah. when it becomes like I don't know what they were doing anything different with Division Two, but that was pretty much like the sole end game like, in terms of getting gear progression when I was playing. Yeah, so Division Two they have added more. So the you, you uh, doing the Dark Zone is definitely going to be a good way, probably the best way that you can do in-game gear and in-game grinding. But they have also added in a bunch of just normal PVE content as well, which is uh, a breath of fresh air too because coming from destiny there isn't a lot of in-game content um so yeah so with the division two they will have the dark zone for you to do your in-game and they have actual pve in-game content that you can go through as well so there's there's a little bit of something for everybody so even if you don't want to go into the dark zone you can still do your in-game grinding without doing that cool so that's been the playtime report. Let's head into what is sure to be the bulk of the show. Uh, I'm glad we got through that faster than we usually get through playtime report. Let's go to the newsy nibble. Y'all, something is going on between Microsoft and Nintendo right now. Um, it's it's currently all all below the surface, um, except for a few things. Obviously, Minecraft came out on nintendo switch but it's also come out on on all these other consoles so that's not that big of a deal but then hellblade senua's sacrifice was announced in the most recent nintendo direct to get a switch port and that switch port actually looks really good for the uh quality of switch ports that have come out so far uh hellblade looks like one of the best maybe and that is a microsoft owned game now because they bought ninja theory so there, there's, there's been some stuff. There, there's been some collaboration. Uh, even, even Microsoft IPs from other uh, franchises like, like Master Chief, Banjo Kazooie, uh, Marcus Phoenix, they show up in Minecraft on, on the Switch as, as character skins. So they're not against putting like their more traditional IPs on Nintendo consoles. 
they I guess they just haven't gotten around to it yet. But beyond that, there's been so many other rumors and hints going around about the collaboration between these two console runners. First, uh, rumors... Well, actually, not, not a rumor. The, the first thing was a... Uh, seemed like a botched announcement, something that was not supposed to go live, uh, was, was the announcement of a talk at the upcoming GDC about bringing Xbox Live to other consoles, including Android, iOS, and Switch. What does that mean? We talked about it on the show before. We we don't know. We yeah. we have no <laughs> idea really what that means. <laughs> it could be so many things, but it also it really could. It's it's so confusing. Yeah, Josh, do you have do you have a take on that? Do you know? Do you have any guesses as to what Xbox Live being on Switch means? That's a really good one. I mean. I rem- I grew up, you know, back in the old days when there was no such thing as, you know, Nintendo collaborating with anyone. Yeah. I still remember that shock when Sonic appeared in Smash for the first time around here. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a really good one. I mean, Nintendo historically has always had trouble when it came to courting, you know, third-party publisher, third-party developers, because nobody really wanted to compete directly with Nintendo. I mean... Getting, like, Microsoft's back catalog on there would be huge. Like, if they could somehow get stuff like Sea of Thieves or uh, Banjo-Kazooie, so on and so forth, that would be a massive deal for Nintendo, especially, again, with the Switch's own portability mm-hmm. on top of that. You know, I almost feel like it would be a bigger deal for Microsoft than it would be for Nintendo. Just, for Nintendo... They're already in yeah. a situation where they're getting more third-party support than they have for the last, like, two or three console generations yeah. on Switch. So, just having another thing that you could buy on the eShop instead of a Nintendo game, I don't know if that's going to affect them so much, but having, but but Microsoft having more people play their games by orders of magnitude, probably, because the... the uh, the the install base of the Xbox One has not been as good as the other two consoles, and the interaction base of the Xbox One, like of the install base, people buy way fewer games and and interact with their consoles less than the other two consoles. So getting their wares on uh, on Nintendo consoles, especially the the games of theirs that have been um, not terrible. <laughs> because some some of their exclusives <laughs> haven't worked out so well recently yeah. with Crackdown 3 and everything. Uh, yeah, that, and, that would be a big deal. And as you were talking about before the show, like we know what you know, Sony's going to be announcing with like, PlayStation 5. We yeah. pretty much have a good idea of Nintendo. I mean, at this point, we can set our clocks when they're going to announce another Zelda or another Mario. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft has kind of just been, you know, quiet these last few months, and especially with all the studios they acquired. You mentioned uh, Ninja Theory. I know they picked up several other ones as well. Like, they're trying to do something. I think they're trying to further diversify themselves compared to Sony and the PlayStation. So the thing with Microsoft is that they've always had, or maybe not always, they, they've, in, in contemporary console wars, they've had a hard time getting a solid base of first-party games that can compete with with Sony's stuff like God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn 
and Nintendo stuff like Mario and Zelda and Pokemon, they uh, they just haven't really been cutting it. The the big three for them have historically been Halo, God of War, no, sorry, Gears of War, and uh, Forza. <laughs> and Halo and Gears of War's last games in, in both those series have been poorly received. Yeah. Um, and also Crackdown was, was was gearing up to be maybe a pillar of Microsoft's uh, software lineup. And that didn't work out. And Sea of Thieves had a rocky start. I, I think Sea of Thieves is doing pretty well right now, though. So that's maybe like their, their biggest success story. Uh, State of Decay 2 is one of those things where it's like, maybe. <laughs> and then and then people <laughs> stop talking about it immediately. Uh, yeah. So I so getting getting those new first party studios is definitely a boon, but then they're also doing this thing where they're every game that is exclusive to Xbox One is also on PC, and now it might yeah. also be on on Switch or iOS or Android or anything else too, uh, which which makes me feel like even if you get your first party games that you want and you start to have a library that looks like it could compete with nintendo or sony's which is still like a long ways away in my opinion you yeah. are then given the uh you're then given the problem of well i can just get those on something else it'll still benefit microsoft if i both buy those games but n- clearly not as much as if i play it on their console yep yeah yeah it's the same thing like I was talking to my friend about last week. Like, I own a Switch. I have a PS4. Like, why do I need an Xbox? Like, unless I'm, you know, die hard set on playing those those core franchises, everything else is either third party or I just buy it on my computer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I personally have all three. I have an Xbox One, I have a PS4, and I have a Switch. And I haven't touched my Xbox One and other than to watch a DVD because... I have my PS4 in my in my office and my Xbox is downstairs in the living room. So other than to watch it like a DVD or Blu-ray, I haven't touched my Xbox in, God, maybe like a year to actually play a game. <laughs> well, why? Every... Huh? We'll, we'll, we'll check this out. If you, if you had played your Xbox recently, you might notice something interesting. In, on the banner, the banner art, you know how the, the menu has that banner art on, on, yeah. on the different pages? Uh, there are Nintendo characters in there now. Is it really? Marina from Splatoon 2 and Princess Peach have both appeared on the banner art in the actual OS of the <laughs> wow. Xbox One. Yeah, um, there's something going on. There's that's something crossing going the on. streams right there. <laughs> yeah. They're crossing some streams there, Yeah, one. there is something <laughs> happening here. And, and that's incredible because in, in, in no part of these rumors was it ever even hinted at that the the, the cooperation could go the other way. I mean, yeah, we're, we're, can, none of us yeah. are expecting Splatoon or Mario to appear on Xbox. It, it would just be the... Oh my god. The that would, that would blow my... Like, to, to play it... Smash like, on Xbox yeah, like, would you know, just... We've seen other other game franchises like cross, like you know Metal Gear Solid. You know it ended up on Xbox. Final Fantasy ended up on Xbox. So we we've seen these these kind of franchises go this direction, but we've never seen Nintendo outside of mobile, and even that's still fairly new. Yeah, uh, we've never seen you know Nintendo on anything else. So that that would be wild. 
So a, 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 a big defense of this when it first happened, the first one to show up was Marina from Splatoon 2. She's the, the uh, Octoling, one yeah, of the, yeah, yeah. the singers. So when that happened, it, she was in the art for the, uh, for the Mixer page. And I think a lot of people said like, well, you know, you can stream anything. So yeah, sure. it's just, it, it's art for Mixer, not for Xbox. But then I don't think the Princess Peach one was. I, I might have, I, I probably should have uh, definitive knowledge on this ready to go, but I, I don't. Sorry. I'm pretty sure, though, Princess Peach was just like somewhere. But I mean, I think even if... Even <laughs> she was if, just in there. Even if it's part of the Mixer thing, there's so many, like, wh- why wouldn't you just use an Xbox character? Uh, because, there aren't those. <laughs> because there I mean, that's, aren't those because there kind of aren't that's a fair characters. point well but it still it just feels like you said it, it feels like there's too many things happening at the same time for this to just be like a coincidence and for this to not be actually something that yeah. we could we could hear some big things about very soon so game pass game pass has been a very big part of microsoft's push within the last calendar year uh, to get games that are, well, maybe you wouldn't have bought them on their own. We can say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you might not have you might have been interested, but you didn't entirely make that push. You can get Game Pass for ten dollars a month and have access to just about every single Microsoft exclusive, and a lot of third parties too. And it's not just like crappy whatever games. It's it's like they're big stuff. You can get Crackdown 3 on the day it came out uh, for for free if you have Game Pass. I guess that's not for free. That's with Game Pass, $10 a month. Um, so there, there were some rumors going around that Game Pass was coming to Nintendo Switch. And when I say rumors, I mean like substantiated leakers that magazines and <laughs> large uh, in, in, internet publications trust. They they have been talking about Game Pass coming to Switch. And to me, that doesn't make any sense. Because Game Pass is not streaming. It's just, you just download it. So yeah. the Switch would still have to have ports of all of those games in order for that to work. Otherwise, it's just the only thing that would be on Game Pass is like Minecraft and Hellblade. And maybe that's like their whole thing. You can just like, you know, the, the Switch... Ver- extension of having game passes is pretty limited but it, it does exist maybe that's what their whole thing is but but a lot of people are saying no 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 in the future game pass is going to be tied to microsoft's new streaming initiative um and then imram Carr, who is a, a very well-known industry insider he came out and said no this whole thing about game pass it's just nothing and there's there's this thing that happens with rumors where it's like, I can hear ten people say, I think it's happening, and then if I hear one person say, I don't think it's happening, I'll I'll believe them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how sensical it is, but it just it just sounds like, well, if it's not happening, it's not happening. Um So Game Pass maybe not. Maybe though? What maybe. do you think? Because Game Pass it, in order to turn Game Pass into streaming, that that's like changing fundamentally what it is that would be a huge undertaking yeah so yeah like you said i feel like it's unless they actually are gonna 
like go the the full nine and say, yeah, we're gonna put Game Pass on Switch and we're gonna make all of these games Switch ports, but that just doesn't feel. I mean, I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, you never know what could happen with this, but it 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 does. That one feels a little bit more dubious. Like whatever we might have in in terms of collaboration, that one I'm not completely sold on. But yeah, yeah, I I I, I, uh, I agree. There are certain obvious things. Uh, games like Cuphead and Ori in the Blind Forest seem like they're destined to one be on Nintendo consoles. Uh, yeah. As long as Microsoft's not against it, that is where they would sell best just because of what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a Battletoads game that's coming out this year. Like, totally, that's that's Switch <laughs> for sure. Um, things like that, it makes sense to bring over. Uh, and, and, but so far, the only thing other than Minecraft that we've really gotten like that is Hellblade. So we'll see how that goes. Um, could this, it, it, if Microsoft really leans into Switch and they actually put their stuff on it, like their, it, the next Halo game, what if it's on Switch? If that happens, how does that impact the future of the Xbox brand to you? Like, how would you view Xbox going forward if they do something like that? I think for me, like, again, like, I'm not an Xbox owner to begin with. I think this would just... I think permanently cement me just not having a desire to own an Xbox. Because now, <laughs> not yeah. only can I have it on my PC, I have a second platform I can now yeah. play all these games on. Yeah, the, Microsoft's been doing a lot of stuff that makes me think, hey, this is great, and, like, this is really good for the game industry. I'm, I'm happy that someone's doing this, because Nintendo and Sony aren't doing this. Mm-hmm. But also, it is a strike against me buying an Xbox. If I didn't already have one, I don't think... This would make me any more likely. This would make me much like less likely to buy your product. But they it's, were already know, selling Xbox One Xs at a loss, so maybe they only care about software sales. Like that's that's what I was gonna say. If yeah. this is something they do, this could be a sign that that Microsoft is just like you know what, you know, yes, we were one of the big three when it came to to pure console sales sales for the last you know. Oh, almost two decades but it feels like maybe they're deciding to just kind of bow out of the console game and just push their software because like you said you know like josh mentioned like they bought all these studios so they've got plenty of of studios to make games and so maybe they're just gonna go all in on that and they don't care where you buy it as long as you're buying their software it, it's possible it could end up like that. Um, but that would be weird. It would be weird. It, <laughs> like if, if that's what their future is, I would expect the next Xbox to not even be a console. Mm-hmm. I, I think what they're trying to what what, the, what they're trying to to do with this is say, no, you can get our games wherever, and we do benefit when you do that, no matter where it is. But if you want to do it in 4K, if you want to do it like the best, uh, in in the best situation possible. You gotta get our thing. And, um, man, is that not gonna convince anyone. I, yeah, I, mean, I really don't think not, that's worth it for most you know, people. I, I heard, like, you know, Red Dead uh, 2, it looked, you know, people said, like, Xbox One was the best place to play it. If you Oh, yeah, it. by, by like, they a lot. It. Yeah, but it's like, is that really, like, I don't feel like that's a good long-term strategy to bank on that, of people saying, of trying to tell people, Okay, like 
yeah, you can buy this game on PS4, but it's going to look really good over here. And But then it's like, okay, but then if I buy the Xbox, I can have this one game look really nice, sure. But if I buy the PlayStation 4, I can also have, play this same game, albeit a little bit you know, less pretty, but I can also play all of these other things too. So it, it, that would be a weird, that, that would be betting a lot on people wanting the best looking product. Yeah, I I think I agree. Um, let's head into Anthem. Oh God. Anthem came out. Um, so I, I've been I've been playing this game with my friends. It's a fantasy critic uh, league for for video games. When games come out throughout the whole year, uh, we we've picked out some games that are upcoming, and depending on what their scores are, we get points. Uh, if, if a certain number of points above <laughs> seventy, uh, you, you get like all those points, and if it's below seventy, you lose points. Um, I made a bad bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> i made a bad bet on anthem uh i thought it was one of those things where it's just like it's supposed to review well it will and it didn't <laughs> didn't quite do it uh which i i i think people felt like that it, it was it felt like it was supposed to be fine it was like ea's big thing where it's like no bioware is like not a terrible company you know that they've just had a rough go of it with mass effect andromeda and some other stuff we are gonna make anthem like come out and it's gonna look and feel great and so like it's supposed to look uh we're not gonna get too ea about it uh we know that we can't uh no that was all wrong it, it that was all wrong it, it came out and it wasn't good so um i would like wyatt to explain to me as the as the multiplayer esports type person of the podcast mm-hmm. what's wrong with anthem <laughs> so like anthem you know like i said earlier you know i've got a thousand hours in the destiny franchise so so this kind of thing felt like it would be right up my alley and when it initially was announced you know i think that was was it 2017 e3 i think um, yeah, uh sounds right yeah, so when they first showed that that really gorgeous looking you know trailer, which if do yourself a favor, just side note, go to go to YouTube, type in like uh, Anthem E three two thousand seventeen comparison. Somebody did a uh, a comparison between what the actual game looks like versus what that original. Uh, yeah, I was in the like. I, I, I uh, was in the audience at the Microsoft press conference where, when they debuted it, and it looked amazing. It looked yeah. it was looked better than anything else they had that year. Mm-hmm. And then when you actually play the game, it's you know it doesn't look as good. They've scaled down the number of monsters or you know creatures out there. The details of everything just look completely different. But so that's just something if you want to check out. But so you know I, I played this game. Thankfully, I didn't actually like buy it full price. I just bought the uh, EA Premier Access thing for fifteen bucks, and it was part of it, so I could play it for for the month. Um, and at this point, I've got thirty hours into it, a, a little bit over thirty. So I've Played through the entire story. I've done all the side missions. Um, I've played all the strongholds. I haven't hit level 30 yet, but that's only because I couldn't stomach playing the game any longer, to be completely honest. Um, oh, wow. So, so this, like, it, it's a game that I want to like because the gameplay is fun. I know a lot of people I've seen say the gameplay isn't, isn't fun. I think the gameplay is fun. Um, you know, you have your normal guns, but you, you're in these... Iron Man suits and you have all these different, you know, uh, special elemental power kind of things that you can do. 
Like it, it, it's a fun game, but then everything else just gets in the way because, uh, you know, like, like Vintel said, while some people may not have kind of seen this as being in the same line of destiny of being a pure looter shooter, that's what they want it to be. That's what this game is supposed to be. You're supposed to go out and grind for loot, uh, and find better loot, you know, and upgrade your character. But doing that is just such a chore because you've got loading screens to do everything. And I, and I think that's honestly one of the biggest things that stops me from playing. Um, so like, just to give you a rundown, so you boot up the game. If, number one, it takes about three minutes for the game to boot up, and I have an SSD. Um, so it takes the game a long time to boot up. You load into the game, they load you into Fort Tarsus, which is, if you played Mass Effect, it's basically the equivalent of your ship. Um, it, it's your main hub where all the NPCs are, you can talk to, all that kind of stuff. So once you load into there, if you want to check your inventory, because you know this is a looter shooter, so you want to be able to see what kind of guns you have, all that kind of stuff, you have to go to the forge. And when you click the forge button, you have to get a loading screen. And then when you go into your inventory, you can look through, you can make your comparison, see what you want. Once you have your loadout, you back out, you get another loading screen, you're back in Fort Tarsus. And then when you want to go load up a mission, you go up to your javelin, you push a button, you get another loading screen. And then once you get into there, you pick your whatever mission you want to play. Then you get a very long loading screen. And I'm talking about two and a half, three minutes to load up the mission. And when you're in the mission, you know, if, you, if you've played Destiny or Division, any kind of game where you get gear drops off of enemies. Uh, you know, you get a gun, you're like, oh, a legendary dropped or a purple dropped. You pick it up. You can quickly go to your inventory, see it. You want to equip it, you can equip it. With Anthem, stuff drops, but it doesn't tell you what it is. It'll just say epic item, rare item. So you pick it up. You have to wait till the end of the mission, and which is another loading screen to get to the results screen after the mission, and then another loading screen to get you back to Tarsus, and then another loading screen to go back into the forge. So you get the point. There's a lot of loading yeah. screens. So like, you know, th that was just, you know, a, a, a two, three minute just, you know, description of, of the experience, but you're doing that over and over and over. And it's just a, it's just a bore, you know? Um, and so for what the game wants to be, it's just not that. And it's just not great to, to play. Um, like I said, the gameplay elements itself is fine when you're inside of a mission but everything in between, it's just not great. So there's, there's been a couple additional problems outside of just the fundamental design of the game that have come around that uh, apparently there's no difference between the strongest and weakest guns in the game. Uh, that, that one's a bug. That one, they that, one, that seems to be a bug. A, yeah. But it's but been still, there the whole time. the fact time. that it's there. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I don't uh, think it's someone... been fixed. Oh my god, someone who's, who's an ARPG lover, I mean, I'm waiting for Grim Dawn right now. It's coming out of the end of this one, the expansion. You know, this all sounds like ARPG Cardinal Sins in mm -hmm. my head right yeah. now as you're describing this. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, like Mitchell was saying with the gun, so a guy did a test, basically grabbed a level 1 gun and a masterwork gun, which is the, the equivalent of like an epic in, in most games, um, like one level below legendary, and it takes six shots for the masterworked level 45 weapon 
to to kill you know some random uh, you know uh, ad, and it took four shots for the level one item to do it. Um, so it, it turns out, you know, like I said, they said it was a bug, but the fact that that's something that's in the game yeah. period yeah. is just a problem, and and that's not even the only problem with loot because there was this period. Uh, the Friday the game came out, the day one patch dropped, and you know they had an early access period, which actually ended up being a very bad thing for this game because everybody rushed to the content before it even came out and were, was done basically. Um, but so during that week, you know, loot was dropping at a certain amount, and then the day one patch dropped, and then for about eleven hours, people were getting a lot of loot. Like they accidentally cranked up the drop rates on everything but but people loved it because it it went from basically getting no loot to getting a good amount of loot like you would for a looter shooter but then uh bioware pulled that back and put it back to the slow loot did you almost call them riot just now i almost did yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, well actually no i almost said respawn because i've been thinking about apex so i almost said respawn um yeah fair but uh but yeah, so you know, like I said, like Josh said, every every action RPG Cardinal Sin, they've basically done it. You know, they don't let you look at your inventory. There's loading screens for everything. Loot doesn't drop. Um, like it, when you're in the the free play, which is kind of like the the open roam area that you can do, um, like patrols from Destiny. You know, just kind of just walking around in Division. Uh, there's no waypoint markers. You can't ping anything. It only puts four people in this gigantic thing. Uh, there's world events, but there's nothing that tells you that a world event is happening. Uh, the only way to pull up your map is by pushing a button, and you have to stop running to pull it up. And then even on the map, it doesn't show you if a world event's happening. You just kind of have to walk around and hope you fun, <laughs> run into one. So oh, God. it's just there's a lot of just fundamental game system problems with this game that... It, it's just, you know, it's insane. It's mind blowing. So this was in development. Most people so long are saying, yeah, it was it was six years in development. A lot of people yeah. are saying, maybe oh. I shouldn't say most people. I, I'm I'm seeing this around. EA push it out too soon. It, a, a lot of the blames going to EA. Uh, Bioware is maybe a little protected by the zeitgeist of how we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're saying it, it was in development for six years. But EA pushed it out too soon. I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if you yeah. can have something in development for six years and it be too soon. Well, because the part about it is like, okay, in, in a literal sense, did EA push it out too soon? Yes, because the game clearly wasn't ready. But after six years, it should have been ready. So, you know, and, and it's not even technically saying EA pushed it out too soon. It's just Bioware took too long and couldn't meet the deadline because i'm sure you know this they even delayed this game for like i think six months or something too so the fact that it's at this point it's just like i and it, it honestly you know like we've kind of talked about in the past um you know in, in our like uh in the super jump uh discord i'm afraid for bioware you know i'm afraid it, it for yeah. like this Me too. this could be something that really puts the nail in their coffin because this is two straight games that have just been bad so Dragon Quest Four is announced. Not Dragon Quest, sorry. Uh, Dragon uh, Dragon Age. Dragon Age. Dragon Age Four 
is announced uh, from Bioware. If that's bad, then they'll have done Mass Effect, a new IP, and then Dragon Age poorly all in a row. But that yeah. to me sounds like a studio closing. Right that, there. It, mm-hmm. it sounds rough, but it's also Bioware is the thing I think EA is most proud of, despite all of that. They are mm-hmm. they are their most award winningest studio that they have. Um, they're they're really viewed with a lot of prestige, no matter what their current output is. Will. Okay, n- never mind. That's getting into a whole other thing. EA, like Sony, is uh, not doing a conference at EA at E3 this year. This was just announced. Um, they are still doing some streams, but it's going to be a lot of gameplay stuff. Some some announcements for sure, but not their their usual um, version of the same kind of press conferences that you know Microsoft and uh, Ubisoft and and all those people put out traditionally. What's going on? Are because uh, respawn just put out a really good game that everyone really liked, but at the same time they might lose Star Wars as a license because they've just been like footsing around with it too much, and they might lose Bioware as a studio because of something going on with the management over there. Um, how how are they? Are they kept afloat entirely by their sports stuff right now? And if so, is that fine? You know, it's like, I mean, the sports stuff, and even at the same, like, even though they might be being kept afloat by the sports stuff, even the sports stuff is not necessarily um, performing super well. Because, I mean, I have, you know, one of my, one of my close friends is, is a really big Madden player, and even he's not super excited about the state of that game. Um, so, EA, it, you know, it just feels like they... They need something really big, you know. Apex Legends has been has been massive, and I think that that's something that as long as EA doesn't encroach too much and and do the typical EA thing with it, I think that that's something that might kind of keep them afloat. But they really they need something else. For what reason would you assume EA wouldn't though? You know, that's where I am. They, I mean, that's just... honestly, it, yeah. It's probably it's just it's my because I like Apex, I'm just, I'm hoping, I'm just like... Yeah, I hope so too. And, and because, I think, because also, because it's a free play game, and because I don't know how you could EA... I mean, I guess you could release a character that's completely tied to... That that you could only buy with real money that turns out to be like an OP broken character. So, that could be it. But then at the same time, even the abilities in Apex... Like even if if person had broken abilities, it's still a, a, a shooter. So I'm just hoping that the fact that it's a shooter, that it would be a little bit harder to mess up. But I mean, EA is gonna EA, so I guess they could probably do it if they really put their hearts to it. EA is gonna EA. I think that's the takeaway from that <laughs> news section. Uh, next, Josh, are you familiar with um, th- this? Uh, there's a a kind of niche Japanese role playing game series called uh, Pocket Monsters. <laughs> no, I've never heard of it before. Sam, what is this? What is it about? about it? Well, they had a big week last week when they uh, put out trailers for two different Pokemon movies that are coming up before the end of the year. Um, two two of them in in one year. They will be the twenty second and twenty third Pokemon movie, respectively. 
Um, but outside of that, new new Switch games were announced. This is finally Generation 8, which has been held up in high uh, anticipation for a long time because Generation 8 is the generation of Pokemon that, for the first time, will debut on a home console. They are Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield. Um... We've had a, we've had Pokemon RPGs on home consoles before. Pokemon Coliseum and XD on, on GameCube and Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee on Switch just last year. But this is the first time it's a full new one. This is the, the big focus of, of the Pokemon brand for the next three or four years because that's what a, a generation does. It, it, it really refocuses their entire thing on... It's been Alola from Generation 7 for a while. Now it's going to be... Galar, or the Galar region, uh, from Sword and Shield, for a while, um, and they they certainly exist. These games, <laughs> these games are gonna come out, and nothing can take that away from them. Um, I recorded a a mid jump about the this reveal with Jeff Onan last week, so I don't want to. Uh, spend too much time on this that because we, we did really talk about it but I want to hear your guys' opinions uh, the people have heard mine what what did you think of the Pokemon Sword and Shield announcement? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah go, go first. for it. Okay. I think I think the fact that it's going to be on the main platform is going to be a big deal because like Nintendo fans like we've been wondering what they're going to do with a lot of their handheld franchises now the Switch kind of occupies that role. Yeah, that's so true. I think that's going to be a, I think it's going to be a pretty big deal in that regard. Like for me personally, Pokemon franchise I think is like the one Nintendo franchise that just never really hooked me as much as the other ones. Maybe it came out, I me mean, I was just a little too old for it at the time or whatever. But that's like the one that just never managed to grab me, which is weird because I love like Shin Megami Tensei, Persona, those kinds of games. Like, but of course, I know I'm in the minority there. There are a lot of Pokemon <laughs> yeah. fans. Well, yeah. Pokemon is just very different from the other Nintendo IP. I mean, because it's not made by Nintendo. So, yes. you know, there's kind of a through line in, in design and feel from Mario to Zelda to Metroid to Donkey Kong. That kind of feel, you know, like there's there's a vibe here. And that does not extend to Pokemon. It's its its own thing. It's in Smash Bros. And it, it like, in that first game, it definitely felt like the odd one out in terms of franchises that were uh, represented. Mm-hmm. It, it's a Nintendo thing, but it's also, you know, kind of not. And um, I, I think it'll be a big, big deal that it's on Switch because, um, I mean, just the sales are going to be crazy. But yeah. Oh, yeah. based on what we've seen, I don't know if it looks that much like it's a big hd it doesn't look that different from sun sun and moon of course it is an hd so like you're, you're gonna get a whole lot less artifacting the the resolution is going to be better things will in general be a little prettier but the the format of the of the well okay i don't why what did you think <laughs> so yeah you know i think kind of what you were saying i i think the the fact that it basically looks like a switchified version of sun and moon that's kind of why i am less excited about this than i would have because it it might have been wishful thinking on my part but 
I was really hoping that uh, that this that this generation eight was gonna really lean into the Switch's capabilities and give us something like Breath of the Wild, um, because you know with with Pokemon Let's Go they they did the thing where you can see the Pokemon like in the open world, which I thought was really cool. It, you know, it still it looked kind of funny because whereas you know you know these Pokemon are actually you know, varying in size and all that kind of stuff everything was kind of the same size for the most part there were some smaller ones but everything was kind of the same size the map basically was the same as what we've played since you know pokemon uh the first generation of pokemon but they just put them in the open world but i was really hoping that we were going to get a breath of the wild level game open world you know seeing these these huge monsters like big lush environments all that kind of stuff like that's what i was really hoping for from this franchise because i think pokemon out of every nintendo i mean like we said it's not technically nintendo but out of every of nintendo's kind of tent poles pokemon feels like it would do the best with an open world game because it kind of is sort of open world in a sense so i was just really hoping for that so i was kind of bummed to see that it basically is just sun and moon but just h like really hd i mean it's, it's gonna look nice and crisp and everything but it's just it's gonna be the same pokemon that we've been playing for 20 years you know yeah so I, totally. i'm a little bit bummed about it like i'll pro- i'll probably play it because it seems cool but i may even not i don't know i always try to play pokemon games but i never really i play the original ones a lot like the first two generations but after that i've kind of fallen off quite a bit but I might try this one because it's on the Switch, but I'm really just hoping one day that we get a full-blown, just massive, massive Pokemon game. Yeah. There's that... I uh, think I'm the oh, same I'm sorry. You way. go ahead. I was going to say, I think I'm the same way about that. Like, they all just seem very similar to me. Like, I played them on and off. I think I bought Sun and Moon. I think it was that the last one or the one before that? Well, that was the last main one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did buy that one, and... I just thought I was doing the same thing before. So I think I'm with Wyatt that I would love to see them go big, mm-hmm. you know. Like, again, like, going from, like, Ocarina or even Skyward Sword to Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. just amazing. Yeah. And if there's any franchise that we haven't seen, like, from Nintendo or even Nintendo adjacent take that massive leap yet, it would probably be Pokemon. I think that's true. We, we've, uh, in, in Generation 6, that's X and Y, we got the jump from sprites on the ds to 3d models on the 3ds Mm -hmm. that was that was that felt big at the time but the game itself it's like yeah it's in 3d but it's not like a different thing and really the 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 series is is a very gradual upward trajectory in technology like that that's what it is and Mm -hmm. there's a i'm actually excited for the game I, i i should note for for those who don't know like i'm a huge pokemon fan i'm i'm really really big and i i in in pokemon and i will get this game i will probably enjoy it a fair bit but there it's hard to not think about the opportunity cost um at of like not doing something bigger not doing Mm -hmm. something that really could have felt like a huge departure or advancement or or anything because like they, they they have a wide shot in the beginning of that trailer of the the Scottish countryside of, of Galar, and mm-hmm. there's like some some mountains in the back, 
And those mountains are like sprites in front of a skybox. And that's that feels exactly... I think that is literally what they did in Sun and Moon. And yeah. on a 3DS, that almost was better because the resolution was so much worse that you're like, is that a sprite in front of the skybox? Like, how does that... Oh, okay. That's nah, 3DS, you know? It's, it is what it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, like, that's my thing because, you know, this is the first Pokemon game. Like you said, not only is it the first game that's going to be on the Switch, but it's the first Pokemon game that's going to be on the home console. So it, it just felt like I really just wanted them to just just go, you know, go ham. Just, like, really, really just go for it. Like, if this is going to be your first, you know, main console game, Make it feel like that, you know? Like, yeah. make us feel... Do something a little bit different. But, you know, I guess it's it's Pokemon... Like, the Pokemon diehards are going to love it. You know, people... It's going to sell a lot. So, they're going to have a hit on their hands, I think, no matter what. But it just kind of... Like I said, I'm just a little bit bummed just because it's like, okay... Th- like, like you said, it's going to be the next, like, two to three years for this generation. So, the next Generation 9 won't be for... A while so it's like okay are they going to give us another one of these same ones or are they really going to go for it so it's just going to be very interesting to watch for sure pokemon almost feels a little bit like if the sonic franchise was at a resting like acceptable level rather than a resting kind of bad level and <laughs> like Son- sonic is like yeah yeah you know this this, this mario game came out but like it, that's great but we're we have sonic forces coming out so you know get ready for that and it, it always feels like, no, Sonic, don't. You, you, you're not comparing yourself to the right person here. And, and with Pokemon, it feels like, well, this is the big Nintendo launch of the year. And it will be. This it, yeah. Pokemon Sword and Shield will be the biggest Nintendo launch of this year, despite the fact that an Animal Crossing is coming out. A, a home, The first home console Fire Emblem in a really long time is coming out. Um Luigi's Mansion 3, Mario Maker 2, some Platinum stuff. Like, lots of stuff is coming from Nintendo this year. This will be the biggest thing, and it is, like, by far the cheapest looking of them. Yeah. Uh, and I just wonder why, because, like, they are, Pokemon is the number one grossing media franchise. Period. Of all things. It's bigger than Star Wars. It's bigger than, uh, than Marvel. It's bigger than Mario. It's bigger than, like, of all of the things uh in, in how much money it takes in and the games still look like this and it's it's yeah. not i'm not going to call them ugly or cheap or i mean cheaper maybe but not cheap in in and of itself but like why why do they look like that <laughs> like yeah. why the amount the in the the trailers themselves later on this year there will be trailers coming out with like i'm sure we're gonna introduce like ten of the new Pokemon at a time, and and uh, you'll you'll look at some new designs. When those trailers come out, just watch for like key art splashed in front of a, a white background, and then just the name of the Pokemon underneath, and then some gameplay footage of them doing the move cut in battle or something like that. Yeah. That is exactly what it'll be. Like the marketing budget is way off. The the development budget is is so strange. They brought in Monolith Soft to work on Breath of the Wild because they have an experience with uh, with with, with uh, bringing big open worlds to small budgeted games, mm-hmm. and Monolith Soft did a, a lot to help out with Breath of the Wild. Apparently, I'd love them to bring Monolith Soft into Game Freak. Uh, yes, this is yeah. just say, hey, yeah. you know, 
Um, we're not going to make it look like a Xenoblade game. We're not going to make it feel like a Xenoblade game. It's still all just you. But, like, if you need our help to make it feel bigger, we can do that. That is that is what I would like to happen. I would really yeah. like that to happen. I mean, yeah, because yeah. even if it's not going to get to the point where it's like, you know, like, it's probably true that Pokemon will never get something that is like a Breath of the Wild level scale, you know, of where it's just anything you see, you can do, all that kind of stuff. But if they just did something to just make it feel different and make it feel just a little bit more grand i think that would go like a long way i think it would i think it would we we can't talk about that much more in any um if you want to hear me talk about pokemon more uh head to that mid jump we recorded last week it should be the immediately previous episode in our uh in our rss feed so two more smaller bits of news before we go Super Smash Bros. Melee won't be at EVO 2019. The EVO uh, Twitter account is how they announce which games are going to be at the show. And I think they did it in a pretty... I, I think it was it was like a talk-downy, condescending kind of way that they did it. Because they did the first game and it was like, it whatever it was, say, say it was Street Fighter. You're like, Street Fighter's going to be there. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is going to be there. Mar- uh, not Marvel vs. Cap, whatever the rest of them were. And it was yeah. nine games. And then mm-hmm. at the end, they said, thank you so much for all of the years Super Smash Bros. Melee. Uh, we'll see you around, or something like that. <laughs> uh, so Melee is not going to be at EVO. EVO is the biggest fighting game tournament of the year. Melee is probably the biggest fighting game in terms of how many entrants it usually gets. Uh, at least going by last year's records, it did, I think, get the most entrance and the the most viewership out of everything at EVO. So, what's going on? Um, what does it mean for Melee? I think it well, means bad news in, in terms of uh, how much coverage it's going to get in the future. This is going to be the beginning of a, of a real sharp downhill trend for them. Well, I think... the. It is a fairly big deal because for them to to not kind of acknowledge melee, like that's going to be a thing. But like to be fair, uh, Evo isn't just those nine games. Um, they have side tournaments. Oh, that, that's true. So like melee, it's it's going to be there. Um, it's just not going to be one of the main games that gets all of the coverage um yeah like, but it's know, being it, knocked off a pedestal i think yeah no exactly i mean yeah i think that is like that is undeniable and that's something that we do kind of have to acknowledge that after so many years you know one of the longest standing i mean honestly it's outside of uh like street fighter and in even in the same sense like street fighter changes games so like melee literally is the longest standing fighting game that still gets this many people because like yeah they, they still do alpha 2 tournaments for street fighter and all and like street fighter you know turbo and all that kind of stuff but those don't get anywhere near the kind of coverage and, and viewership and entrance that that melee does for yeah those, those are nostalgic things the the yeah like i i think the tournament scene is very aware of the fact of like we can do other street fighter games but what we're supposed to do right now what we all feel sure. like we're supposed to be playing in order to make it feel like like the most healthy um is is five yeah. community is, is five arcade like that's what you should be playing yeah yeah so yeah i mean for the fact the fact that that they're taking this off 
that they're taking melee off. I think it's going to be a trend that we see um, for for a lot of the bigger tournaments. You know, I, I think me- melee is still going to be at, in, at any tournament it wants to be as a side tournament, but you're not side tournaments don't get anywhere near the prize pool uh, that other tournaments do because side tournaments the prize pool basically just comes from you know the community and and kind of grassroots things whereas with the big tournaments those those prize pools are put on by the actual tournament organizers and the sponsors and all that kind of stuff so melee is going to stop getting that and, and it already didn't even get that much last year like i think the the whole prize pool even for melee at evo last year was like i don't know eight thousand dollars or something like that um so it already was kind of not getting a lot so i think a lot of big tournaments like uh uh, CEO and final round and um, like NorCal regionals, SoCal regionals, all of those kind of the big temple fighting game tournaments of the year. I think melee is going to start to kind of fall away, which is unfortunate because melee yeah. is such a huge, huge part of, I know a lot of people in the FGC don't like to acknowledge that smash is part of the FGC, but it is like it, it Smash is a fighting game and it's, you know, it's the longest standing one. So it, uh, it's, it sucks, and it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, I know we've got Ultimate, so, like, that's cool, and a lot of Melee players are playing Ultimate, so it's not like we're going to kind of lose. Like, we're still going to see Leffen. We're still going to see, you know, Plop, Mango, and all those kind of guys. But at the same time, it is a bit – it's a bit sad, and it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how this kind of goes over the next – like, especially with this year's Evo and then even down the line in the next couple ones. So that that's that's how it'll f- affect melee probably. But why do you think Evo did it? Because it it's not like any of the things that were new for this year are expected to reach more of an audience than melee did. I I would I would say that melee was you could expect it to be in the top three if it was in this if it was added to that pool of ten or nine making it ten. Uh, the only two games I could even ex- see it see outperforming it in in terms of viewership and uh, entrance numbers would be Street Fighter Five Arcade and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Mm-hmm. Maybe Dragon or uh, yeah, uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Maybe yeah, because Fighters did it. Fighters did have a large amount last year too, and it, mm-hmm. it got pretty good viewership as well during the finals. But even then, I think it did less than Melee. I think so. I think Melee had a little bit more. So, it, it doesn't seem like a smart business decision if, if, if uh, viewers are kind of the, the, the driving force on how much their advertisers pay them, right? So, yeah. so why do you think this happened? I think, honestly, I think it's just... They like to, to promote the newer things. Because every year there's some game that comes out that is kind of like the focus at Evo Um, or not even necessarily the focus, but there's always some new game that they want to showcase there. And I think honestly, I think this is more telling about Evo not necessarily being, while it's going to be the biggest tournament of the year, I think it's going to, it kind of shows that Evo is not, might be the biggest, but it's not necessarily showcasing the best all the time sure i think they're just trying to show what's new because like i think samurai showdown is i think that's what it's called is one of the games right that is of the nine 
And that's a game that's going to be super niche. Not that many people are going to play. It's probably going to get the lowest of the nine in terms of entrance. So, and that always happens. You know, any game that gets pushed off at Evo, usually there's one that you're just kind of like, why is this one of the main games at Evo? Because, like, of course, you know, Street Fighter, Dragon Ball, Tekken, uh, even MK11, that one I can see because Mortal Kombat is also one of oh, the Oh, yeah, one of Mortal the Kombat ones. could potentially, if Melee was there, do more than Melee. Potentially. Yeah, because especially because it's it's the new it's this is the first Mortal Kombat and since ten and ten was I think in two thousand I wanna say eleven. No, that's probably not I don't know. It's been a while for since the last actual Mortal Kombat game. Um so like I, I can see that, but but games like Samurai Showdown and like uh, even Blaze Blue Cross Tag, which is like I love it, but it's not necessarily like it's not as big as Melee. So it, it just feels like this is more so uh, Evo being kind of directed by what the sponsors want to see and what like new games they want to promote, rather than promoting the best that is actually out there. I agree. I agree with Wyatt on that. That it sounds sounds more like a business decision than it does like a quality decision. Because yeah. again, like melee has been in there for so long that it has become kind of a fixture for Evo. Mm-hmm. And like I've talked about this before on my own podcast that when it comes to like these esports, like when the big tournaments stop calling, that can easily kill or just drastically reduce just what it means to play these games at a professional level. And it does sound like they're trying to, again, like, court the quote-unquote, like, the new hotness mm-hmm. with Ultimate being out this year. Or, I'm sorry, late last year. Yep. The, the only thing that, that makes me wonder if that's exactly what's happening is that the same thing happened before. Melee uh, returned to being an Evo in 2013 after a couple of years of... Uh, the, the the community being less known that but in 2012 the super smash brothers documentary came out that inspired a lot of people to to start playing again i did at the time i was in college and that was like a all of my friends got really hyped on that documentary uh and then 2013 it it came to evo and it's just been there every year in 2000 late 2014 so i guess the first evo that would have been affected by this is 15 in late 2014 super smash brothers for wii u came out so this the same thing happened, and Nintendo maybe wanted to focus more on Wii U. I mean, of course they probably did, but Melee was allowed in the tournaments, and it ran concurrently with Super Smash Brothers for Wii U the whole time. Ultimate is is a lot more liked than Wii U ever was. I I think we as a community uh, think Ultimate is probably just a better, more competitive game for tournaments in general mm. it, but is it is it so much so that that is the reason that melee can't coexist with it anymore like like why you were saying mango and armada are still going to be there they're going to be playing ultimate i don't know about that man mango well, will maybe be not, in the maybe top mango. eight mango probably was a bad example i'll, I'll give you that <laughs> it well I, either of, of them really armada leffen like they didn't get top eight at genesis they didn't they're probably not going to get top eight at, at like a big ultimate tournament that they, they don't exactly come from the same cloth as like the the best ultimate players right now that were or were people that were uh 
active throughout Brawl and then also Smash 4. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. I, I, I think not having melee there does... It, it does, does uh, take away a lot of the most famous esports players' um, reason for being there. Reason for being oh, on yeah. camera at Evo. Yeah. So, like having not having melee there, in exchange for not for for having the, the, this new up and coming game that that is probably exciting at the time, is something I I, I can get behind. But it's at the, it's at a huge cost of personality. You are mm-hmm. losing you're losing Mango. People love Mango, and he won't be a talking point this year. Yep. Uh, and I, I don't know if, if those new games are worth it. Um, maybe Nintendo just d- decided, well, for Ultimate, we're going to try a lot harder to push it than we're, we did for Wii U. Maybe it's a change of mind for them, so like they would only sponsor the tournament if Melee wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, possible. It, I, I, th- I, I have... think it's a little sad just in general for, for old games. Because if you want esports to be taken seriously on the level of like an Olympic sport, you want or like at least a, a league sport like football or baseball, right? That that that's kind of the dream that people turn on the TVs and that they watch esports kind of at the same level as they would uh, soccer, and and it's yeah. happening a little already, but you know it's clearly not there yet. Um, yeah. If you can't have old games, I don't know if we can ever get there. Because if we can't support old games as as much as we support newer games, um, that that kind of lets people know, like, yeah, you can be good at this for right now, but this game won't even exist in five years. So don't try to get too invested in in, in trying really hard at, at like making yeah. it your career. It puts an expiration date on that career, essentially, and mm-hmm. it's something like I'm a huge supporter of game preservation and making sure we keep playing these old games. And it's something I've been thinking about really hard these last few months. Like, I do presentations at libraries where lots of kids are starting to play Fortnite and they're trying to start doing more with video games like that. And it's always in the back of my mind, like, all these people who are jumping on these esports, like, what happens if the major tournaments don't cover them anymore? Well, the developers stop supporting them. You know, there are a lot of lives and obviously a lot of careers that can come out of this and they can just be gone, you know, as quickly as possible. Well, one reason I always liked Melee being where it was is that developers did stop supporting it, and in that case, it turned out that it was fine. Like, D- Nintendo d- doesn't care about Melee at all, and they haven't since, like, a couple years after it came out. But it people have copies of the game, they have GameCubes, they bring... They, they cart around CRT TVs, like, in the back of their cars for no reason, apparently. I did it for a couple of years in, in college, and I looked like a crazy person. Like, hey, Mitchell, <laughs> why uh, why don't you have your, your second row in your car? Like, why are the seats down? Well, if the seats are up, I can't fit my giant... <laughs> can't fit my giant <laughs> 1980s television that I keep in there for some reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, like... People rose to the occasion of making that game work despite uh, no developer sponsorships, despite no ongoing patches or rebalancing or anything after the game initially launched after its first day, and it worked. And I, I think if you if you ever are gonna see esports at the Olympics, 
um, it'll have to be a game that can't change. It, it'll have yeah. to be a game that, like, if yep. it does have developer support, that might not even be good. That might not be 100% okay, because the rules could, could be subject to change at any time. Wyatt, I remember you telling me about a, a Fortnite tournament in which the, this, uh, really, the Infinity Blade, right? Yep. Yeah, the, the, day, the day a tournament started, yeah. The day the <laughs> tournament w- happened, uh, Epic patched in this incredibly OP sword that just changed the entire meta of the tournament. The tournament players couldn't like access a previous build of the game. They had to play with this blade and that like yep. that changed everything. Yeah. Um and, and and even small things like that's an extreme example, but even just small like well now yeah, Jigglypuff's I mean, going to be like slightly worse. That changes everything too. Yeah, exactly. I mean cuz even in in like Dota, um they've done things where in, in most games ex- Fortnite being one of the major exceptions, most games do they uh if like a patch comes out like the week before like say a tournament is coming up like say if a tournament was today if a patch dropped on tuesday most esports like even smash did this with genesis where a, a patch dropped right play on a different like an older version of the game like uh dota does this now after people started because dota was doing the same thing where valve was dropping patches like three days before a tournament and the people were after like adjusting to to drastically different metas basically on the fly um but most most games like riot does it with league of legends you know tournament organizers do it with uh with smash and 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 uh csgo they'll do a lot of the same things well they'll delay actually using on using the new patch because they don't want to do that fortnite is one of the the major exceptions to that rule right Um, i mean well you just can't so you can't play fortnite without with the old patches yeah exactly right? well and that's yeah. because for yeah. epic games still doesn't have custom games and all that kind of stuff so it's that's a right. whole issue in itself <laughs> yeah. I, i'm i'm worried about this because a lot of the uh the the the, the people who were defending Eve, i should stop saying a lot of people are saying i should stop th- that phrase i mean it's true but like i say it too much <laughs> something i've seen <laughs> is that uh people defend god damn it i can't even do it (laughs) (laughs) a thing that has happened is the words have appeared (laughs) that um it's melee's time you know it melee has been around for a while and uh ultimate looks new and great it we should just focus on ultimate Melee ha- is is stale. It's boring to watch now. It, I I know what Melee is about too much that it, it can't be exciting anymore, and I'm worried that if we if we let the age of an esport be viewed as a negative, we will never have a sturdy foundation for mm-hmm. for esports in in a, in a more permanent league setting. I agree with that. It's the same thing with game preservation as a whole. You know, why should I care about NES games when the Switch is out? Why should I care about PlayStation 2 when we're on PlayStation 4? And that mindset is just very dangerous. Like, as you said, to any kind of uh, stabilizing or even just, you know, holding these games, like, on their pedestals for what they are. Yeah, I... There there are some aspects of Melee that are now coming out about the meta it's like we've gotten to a point where the meta is actually now starting to become a little self-destructive 
and it seems like the logical end of chasing that meta in the game. Of course, people will play melee competitive for years and years and years and years. It won't ever mm-hmm. die in the yeah. way you would think about like no one just playing it anymore. But now people are saying like Hey, wobbling is this thing that ice climbers do, and it's an infinite combo. Uh, it's always been legal at tournaments before, but now we're starting to ban it at tournaments because it's just too powerful. Even though we've never viewed ice climbers as like a very, very good character in melee, they've been mid-tier at best. But yeah. now they have this thing. They've had it for a long time, but now, now we view it as destructive to the spirit of the game. And now people are talking about banning Jigglypuff or at least putting sanctions on Jigglypuff because Jigglypuff is now being viewed as a better character than Fox, just like the the best character in the game. And when Fox was the best character, it was fine because Fox moved quickly and Fox was was, uh, helpful to tournament organizers and to viewers because it made the game faster. Jigglypuff, if Jigglypuff is the best character in the game, it actually makes it worse for a lot of people. Because it makes the game slower. So now now the me- the, the meta has kind of drilled into itself and, and created this, this, this thing where like maybe melee would have been better with a couple balance patches. But those balance patches, even they wouldn't have even known what to address until 15 years after the game came out. So I don't know. It, it's one of those things like you think of chess as a game that is static, right? The, the rules of chess are finite. We've known them for hundreds of years. But the thing is, chess had balance patches. Chess, chess throughout, <laughs> throughout hundreds of years in India and China, and, and then later in, in Europe, we decided how to play chess. Like, the rules kind of differed from household to household until a fair, very balanced, very practiced rule set for chess came out. And then eventually it entered the public uh, lexicon in, in, in a mainstream way. Uh, so it had hundreds of years of balance patches, really, even though we think of this thing, think of it as this thing that can't change. And I think that's what we want out of an eSport, but, like, can you even do that? You can't have hundreds of years of balance patches for something. That would be insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's that. One last small bit of news, uh, before we close out for the day. Google might be making a console there's been rumors about this for a while there's been rumors that they're going to announce their their console or at the very least if not like a console in the traditional sense their new games platform initiative at this year's gdc which is later this month today trademarks came out uh it, it was basically a patent for a google controller a games controller it looked pretty much like a normal uh gamepad um the analogs there are two analog sticks four face buttons triggers a d-pad all the normal stuff uh it looked actually a lot like a dual shock without the touchpad um yeah is, is google making a console you guys yeah i That's feel the a, same yeah it's like <laughs> I, if if it is i don't think it's a, it's going to be like a switch or an xbox or anything like that it'll probably be more akin to kind of when apple tv tried to make some games that were relevant that sounds believable yeah yeah i think it might be a little more intensive than that because the apple tv was just basically like iphone games that they tried to port to the tv so i think it might be a little more intensive than that where like there'll be games that might be 
like a slightly higher budget, but I don't think it, it probably won't be like a, an Xbox or some crazy thing like that. Yeah, I don't see it as well. Like this, it sounds a little too out there to go have like Google out nowhere trying to compete with again the big three, and yet it does look like I'm just like looking at like the specs for it right now. That I mean, a controller by itself, I don't think is going to be that big of a deal because I mean we've seen controller like I've done studies on controls like how much things have standardized over this last decade and. I mean, yeah, it's there, but I don't think it means much in terms of, you know, are they going to make, you know, the Switch 2? Are they going to do something like that? I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Right. I, I think that's probably the safest assumption. Uh, my imagination was kind of running with this for a while. My, my thought was it'll look like an Apple TV in that it'll plug into your TV and any games that come out are going to be streaming and Google will really be leaning into their streaming technology for this, which um, I think recently we've, we've talked about streaming on the show and how we've kind of felt like it's a ways away still. Tech, the internet technology, internet like the bandwidth, the, the speed, everything about it is just not quite there yet in America, even though it is there in other countries. Google is an American country. Um I think they're just doing it anyway. It, it it honestly feels like they're just going for it now, even though it is bad. Anyway. Th- that's my guess. I could see that. Yeah. Well, we don't really have that much to say to that. Uh, um, just something to ponder. I'm sure in, in two episodes' time, we will have more answers about that, actually. Because GDC is coming up soon. If that rumor comes true, we, we'll hear about whatever it is. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. You can write to us at podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. You might be read on the show if you uh, ask us a question or a comment. Uh, we'll, 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 I mean, it'll be up to if you're nice to us or not is usually our practice, but that's podcast at superjumpmagazine.com if you want to send an email. Let's head into our after-school activities. <laughs> I will start. My after-school activity this week is a YouTube video. It is Matthew Matosis. That's one word on, on the YouTube channel name. Matthew Matosis. His review of Breath of the Wild. If you aren't familiar with Matthew Matosis, he's one of those, one of like the quintessentially listened to long-form review YouTubers. Um, he was kind of in, doing it before a lot of people were doing that format. I really respect his review process, and what he has to say about Breath of the Wild is really interesting. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's it, it's a spoiler to say he likes it, but it has some interesting parts, which is... I feel like that's everything's everyone's take on Breath of the Wild. Um, <laughs> really, really insightful review. It's, uh, it's about an hour long. So what I did was I was doing laundry while put my headphones were in listening to the audio from his review. And I thought that was a, a good experience, and you all should join in, too, if you like that kind of thing. Wyatt, what is your after-school activity this week? Uh, so mine is going to be, uh, there's a video, there's a YouTube channel called Inside Gaming. Uh, they used to be affiliated with uh, Machinima, and then Machinima kind of exploded uh, about a couple months ago. Uh, but they kept their YouTube channel, so it's called Inside Gaming. And one of their most recent videos, I think they actually just posted it today, uh, it's titled Apex Legends Almost Didn't, didn't Exist. And they basically go into a really interesting look at Respawn Entertainment 
and kind of the ups and downs that they've went through with making the original Titanfall and Titanfall 2 and then kind of how uh, they turned Titanfall 3 into what is Apex Legends and you know it's this huge massive runaway success so it's a really cool just look uh, like a deep it's only about 15 minutes long so it's not super long uh, but it's a it's a cool just deep dive into Respawn Entertainment and kind of the the barriers and obstacles that they had to go through to get to the point where they are today cool and josh why don't you tell us about your after school activity all right my activity is i get to plug my own channel i have besides writing about video games and talking about them on a day-to-day basis i have my own channel well titled game wisdom where I post all matter of game design videos. I've been getting more abstract art with my thumbnails these last few months. I figure the best way to say it is just do something completely weird. So that's what I've been <laughs> yeah. focusing on. I have a thumbnail of, I think, uh, one of the characters from Assassin's Creed doing like the Assassin's Dive on Cuphead to try to explain game design. <laughs> and the next one I'm working on, I'm going to combine Resident Evil 2 with the Brady Bunch Ooh. to talk about enemy... Enemy design in that franchise. Cool. And yeah, I do uh, live shows. I even have a live show every Sunday around like three thirty-four. And yeah, pretty much if you're interested in game design topics, like that's pretty much what I do day to day. Cool. That is game hyphen wisdom, right? Yep. Yeah, or I just change it. You can now just find with game wisdom just with a space. Okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, and that's on YouTube. Go ahead and check that out. Thank you so much, Josh, for being on the show. Uh, it's been great having you. No problem. It was great. Uh, you guys want me back? I'm always here. Fantastic, yeah. Awesome. Our theme song has been by Jamatar. The name of the song is Jerome. Please remember to subscribe, review us on iTunes, tell a friend, whatever you can do. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. And, of course, you can uh, read the articles from Wyatt, Josh, and myself that we sometimes do write. Uh, published on the Super Jump Magazine. That's superjumpmagazine.com. It's a medium publication. Thank you so much for listening, and stay super! Super!